We read today from the book of 2 Corinthians, beginning in the first chapter and the first verse. May the Holy Spirit of God breathe through these words into us today. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints who are throughout Achaia, grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the suffering of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation, or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, with, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that you are sharers of our suffering, so also are you sharers of our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves, so that we could not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a peril of death, and will deliver us, He on whom we have set our hope, and he will yet deliver us. You also joining and helping us through your prayers, so that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. Would you pray with me? Good and gracious Father, we thank you for the incredible blessing of being able to come into your presence. We join our hearts together and pray, Lord, that you would draw near and that what you experience in the music, in our words, in our hearts, even as we open your word together, would be a blessing to your heart. The psalmist said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, and we desire that as well. So help us to open ourselves before you, to praise you, to bring all of our hurt, our pain, our struggle, our praise, our worship. Be with us in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. In 2005, my son Joshua, my oldest son, graduated from high school and was immediately accepted to North Carolina State to study engineering. We could not have been any prouder. Joshua, I guess all children, especially firstborn perhaps, Joshua had a special place, has a special place in my heart. He was my buddy. And although I am without a doubt biased, I believe that he was truly gifted. He was a beautiful little boy. He was smart 
As a little boy of five or six, Joshua would kind of naturally migrate to older conversations with people that were 10, 20, 30 years older than he and have conversations with them. He wasn't nearly as interested of having talks with kids his own age. He was a protector of other kids. If there was ever a a kid that needed help or a, a child that was being bullied, Joshua was there. I can't ever remember asking Joshua one time to do his homework. He just did it. A very different experience than my childhood. He always received good marks. He was always at the very top of his class. And Joshua and I had a great connection. We enjoyed the same things. We built rockets together. We built a potato gun together. Anyone ever built one of those? We fired it off and we laughed so hard that afternoon shooting off a whole bag of potatoes that I was sore the entire next day. My stomach hurt so bad. We used to play computer games and I used to take it easy on him and then one day I realized I couldn't take it easy and I needed to be top of the game and then I realized that no matter how good I was, he was always going to be better. When he was just six years old, we were out shooting rockets one day and He looked up at me and we had started a conversation about a little girl that was being baptized. We talked about Jesus and he was just six years old, but he looked up at me with these beautiful eyes and he said, Daddy, I want to be baptized. I want Jesus Christ to be my Savior. And I kneeled down in that field and looked into his eyes because six is awful young. But I looked with the sincerity that he had, the intensity that he had in his eyes, and I knew it was the real thing. And so just a few weeks later, my little boy was baptized. I've never had a panic attack, but the closest I've ever come was when we dropped Joshua off at state. We took him to eat after we set up his room, his pitiful dorm room. It was the saddest thing, and we did our best, and then we took him out. At the restaurant, I excused myself and went into the bathroom and completely lost it. I wept and prayed intently for my son. And I also prayed that no one else would walk into the bathroom at that moment. We were so proud, so anticipating a a bright and shining future. And it was one of the hardest things I've ever done is to look up in that rearview mirror as we drove away and see my son Joshua there. Only a few months later, we got a call from a hospital that I had never heard of. Joshua was terribly sick. It was a life-threatening situation. Doctors said he needed to come immediately. And so I drove to Raleigh while Sandy stayed with our other son, Nathan. We prayed all the way, prayed intently. It didn't matter the problem, I decided. We would overcome it together because Joshua was my buddy and we were a team But when I got to the hospital, I found that we were not a team, and he wasn't my buddy. He was mad at the world. He was mad about his illness, and I was the easiest target. He struck out. The doctor said, it it didn't matter. Don't let it bother you. It bothered me. In hindsight, it was probably just the fear and disappointment. But man, I tell you, it threw me. But we got Josh home. We got him stabilized. He was disenrolled from state. That was over. He would never return there. 
It was just about helping Josh get better. It was a hard and unexpected left turn. At the same time, I was pastor at my last church, and we didn't have a youth pastor at that moment. We had a lot of youth. I had promised to take them out to a Mercy Me concert, trying to fill in a little bit. Let me tell you, I had no desire to go, but a promise had been made, and so off we went. In all honesty, I had absolutely no desire to praise. And it was absolutely the oddest thing to sit in the middle of literally thousands of people as they stood and they waved holy hands. And I sat there stubbornly, feeling completely alone and disconnected. I was thinking about my son, about fear and disappointments, and probably anger too. I was hardly paying any attention when the band started playing a song entitled Bring the Rain. Maybe you know the song. The lyrics are, I can count a million times people asking me, how can I praise you with all that I've gone through? The question just amazes me. Can circumstances possibly change who I am forever in you? Maybe since then my life has changed long before those rainy days. It never really crossed my mind to turn my back on you. Oh, Lord, my only shelter from the storm. But instead, I draw closer through these times. So I pray, bring me joy, bring me peace, bring the chance to be free. Bring me anything that brings you glory. And I know there'll be days when this life brings me pain, but if that's what it takes to praise you, Jesus, bring the rain. And yes, the lyrics are profound. And yes, they seem to fit in my life and touch my heart. But something else happened as well. There I was, stubbornly sitting in the middle of an arena full of worshipers. And the Spirit of God fell on me like I had rarely experienced before in my life. It was a holy hug. And although there were no words, the Spirit spoke to my spirit. It's going to be okay. I will walk with you and with Joshua. And together we will get through this. It was so much more than words can convey, but I can tell you this, that the hurt and the fear and the anger melted away. And I knew that I could take the next step, just the next one, and leave the rest in the strong and capable hands of our Father. There have been many struggles since then, and I have no illusions there may be more in the future. But on the 13th of May, 2017, Just two weeks ago, our son graduated from the University of North Carolina, Charlotte, with a degree in psychology. He hopes to work with kids in a group home that are struggling a little bit like he struggled and help them move forward with their lives. 
And we are so proud of him and thankful to a God who is faithful. And if you would like to help the sales family celebrate and praise God right now, that would be okay with me. Now, some would say that I could never share that kind of story. It's just too personal. Just too personal. But my response is that I serve a God who comforted Sandy and I at the lowest point of our lives. I serve a God who reached out and comforted me even when I wasn't asking. I love a God whose love is so great that he pursues me even when I am pouting and withdrawing and angry. And who am I that the Lord would be concerned about me and comfort me? And who am I to keep such a salvation story to myself? This is a story that must be told, that deserves to be told, is needed to be heard by those who are perhaps in the middle of a storm right now. Yes, some would say, I I could never tell a story like that. It's just too personal. Why would you think that? You don't think people know that you have problems? Everyone has problems. We aren't kidding anyone. And honestly, it seems to me a little disrespectful and ungrateful and even selfish if we won't share our comfort with others, if we won't share the comforter with others who desperately need hope and healing. And we have the good news they need Can you see that this morning? I'll tell you one thing that's changed in me. It wasn't something I anticipated, but now when moms and dads come in and they're struggling maybe with their family, I listen in a completely different way now. The Lord has softened my heart. There is no judgment now. And he helps me simply to listen and be there for them, even if I don't know the answers. It's kind of like a woman who maybe has gone through breast cancer. Now, who would be more capable of comforting and counseling another woman? Who is more powerful in their words to be able to say, you know what, by the grace of God and the strength of his holy hand, I made it through, and so can you. And who are we to keep those stories to ourselves? And I think about so many wonderful pastors and professors and Sunday school teachers and my godly wife who grounded me in the scripture and encouraged me. We knew the words Jesus in John. He says, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but I have overcome the world. There was never a time in my life as so many, I think, false teachers today, they say everything is going to be fine. You just believe more. You give more. You Praise more. Everything is going to be right in your life. That's not scriptural. But we were well grounded. We had no illusions. By the scripture and the comfort of the spirit and the comfort of saints just like you. That we were rocked but we were not overcome. And praise God from whom all blessings come. Now, some of you may be thinking this morning, that's an interesting story. 
But what about the sermon? We've kind of come to expect a little expository preaching on Sunday morning. Okay. So would you listen again to the words of the Apostle Paul and how they intersect with my story and perhaps with yours? 2 Corinthians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. I'll never forget sitting in that stadium when uninvited, the Spirit fell upon me. When I was hurt, stubborn, and even angry, the Comforter came. Verse 4, who comforts us with the, all the, in all of our afflictions so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. I would never have chosen to walk the path. But truly, there have been so many blessings discovered along the way. And one, I hope, is having a more sensitive heart and being able to encourage others And God has blessed us, and he loves us, and he loves you too, so that we have hope. Verse 8, for we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so we despaired even of life. Paul confessed his struggles mightily. He did not hide it from his friends, although he was their pastor and he was their teacher. He was not ashamed of his struggle, although in the 21st century we would use words like depression to describe his emotional state. He said he gave up on life, but he wasn't too proud. He didn't place himself on a pedestal. He didn't want to come off as a super Christian because you know what? There are no super Christians. We all struggle. But we struggle better together. Verse 7, and our hope for you is that you are firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our suffering, so also are you sharers of our comfort. By the grace of God, we were firmly grounded in the Scriptures. We were comforted by the Spirit and surrounded by other believers. We were rocked, and occasionally we still are, but not overcome. Why? Because of verse 9. He says, because God who raises the dead. What's his point? If God can raise from the dead, surely he can overcome the trial that you're going through, the challenge that you're facing right now. He has overcome death. There is no greater struggle. Can't you trust him with yours? Because God who raised us from the dead, who delivered us from so great a peril of death and will deliver us, he on whom we have set our hope. In other words, can't you remember, beloved of God, all of the times, look over your shoulder, think about all of the times that he's delivered you, that he's saved you, that he's provided for you. Over and over, has he ever failed you? Then why would you think he would change now? And on this set your hope. Surely he will deliver us again. Just one more thing and we'll be done. 2 Corinthians 1.7 says, Our hope for you is firmly grounded. Our hope. 
we have that hope in God through Jesus Christ. Amen? We have that hope. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Praise God. Praise God when our children are hurting that we have an intercessor and a healer. Praise God when our finances aren't enough that we have a provider. When we are lost, Jesus says that he will go before us and be our banner. Even when inevitable death comes to a loved one, we do not mourn as those without hope because our hope is firmly grounded in God through Jesus Christ. But beloved, what about all of those who aren't grounded in Christ? In this world, you will have tribulation. What will, what will they do without Christ? How will they make it? Survive and overcome. Where is their hope? Where is their hope? Listen to me. Listen to me. Where is their hope? You are their hope. You are their hope. That your love for Jesus Christ will be so great that you will throw off your fears and it's too personal and you will have the courage and the power and the strength because of your love and your passion for Jesus Christ to share. Where is the hope of those who are lost? You are the hope. You, that you would make the introduction to Jesus Christ. That you would share your story. That you would share your trial, but also your victory in Jesus. What is their hope? How many of you have ever looked at the finances and realized there is more month than there is money? And then just the right amount of money showed up right in time. Just raise your hand. Oh, my soul. How many of you prayed for a loved one when the doctor said, we just don't really see a way? I know some of you are sitting here today. Where is their hope? Their hope is that you will love Jesus so much to the point of overflowing and telling your story and your victory through Jesus Christ. Paul says it this way in the book of Romans. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. But how can they call on the one whom they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. One commentator said it this way, we are saved to serve. And the paramount element in that service is to bear witness to the saving power of Jesus Christ. So how about today that you and I just let go of that excuse, an excuse, an excuse. I just don't know enough to share my faith. Nonsense. 
You have experienced the saving power of Jesus Christ. Tell your victory through him. Tell of the love of Jesus and leave the rest to the Holy Spirit. You're just faithful to share your story. That's all you're required to do. That's all you can do. But be faithful. Have beautiful feet. Go and tell. Do you remember how this series began? Evangelism is an essential part, non-negotiable, of being a disciple of Christ. Our love and passion for Jesus must compel us to be obedient, to go. Can we really say that we love Jesus if we aren't sharing the gospel and making disciples? Together, we must understand, internalize, feel deeply the lostness of those all around us. So tell your story. This is my life before Jesus. This is how I met him. And here it's, this is how it's been since. And tell your victory. The power of Jesus Christ in my life. He loved me. And he loves you too. Would you pray with me? There is no one like you. Oh my God, my Lord. There is no one like you. There have been so many times in my life when I have run away from you. I have hid. I have thought unclean thoughts. But you have pursued me. You have pursued us. You have loved us too much to let us go. You have been faithful at the darkest points of our life. And in you we are victorious that even death cannot overcome your victory. Forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us. And I pray for us today, Lord, that you would give us the opportunities to share the victory we have in you. Give us the courage, the clarity, the Holy Spirit power to share. And we will leave the rest in your strong and capable hands. I'm drawing this moment, Father, just to pray for those that may be in the middle of a great time of crisis, a great challenge. I have no doubt that there are some. So holy and faithful God, we cry out for them today. For those that are sick, those that are struggling with family and marriages, those that are struggling with finances, you know it all and your arm is mighty to save We pray, Father, together that you would heal each hurt, that you would move in a mighty way and bless each one. And we'll be very careful to thank you and to share the great victory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.